In the holy name of Jesus, amen. I had a chance this past week to sit down with somebody at their home, and I was able to chat with them a little bit, and on their coffee table was a book about their life. They had written, taken time to write a book about their life, and looking through the table of contents, it was amazing to see the life of this person simply laid out there, and it was amazing to see that there were little captions that said, the joys and the struggles of life. I won't write a book about my life. It's too messy. And having not read this individual's book, I'm not sure what it's all about within the messes of his or her own life, but just like you and me, life is messy. It's chaotic. I have a lot to be ashamed of. The frustrations, the anger, the lying, the deceiving, all of these things that I have committed against each other, or you, and against others, I don't want it written down. I don't want people to know about that. I would only write about the happy, successful things of life. What about you? What would be in your book? What would your table of contents say? Would it be nice and clean and pretty? Or would it be something that we say, I'm going to go immediately to chapter 5. We laugh, we joke about these things, but what would your book say about you if it was completely opened with all to see? Daniel chapter 7 today is one of those chapters where it seems a little terrifying. You have this image of the Ancient of Days who has white hair and sits on a throne with fiery wheels. It sounds like something that you would maybe see in a Marvel movie. But Daniel gives us a picture in the context of all of this of a courtroom and your day of judgment, and mine as well. The court is seated and the books are opened. You have been created by God, in his image and likeness, God has ordained since the foundation of the world that you be here, that you exist, that you draw oxygen, and because he has created you, you are in that book. What does that mean for you? God sees the secret sins of your heart and mine. He sees those things that might terrify us and keep us up at night. He sees every little dark corner of your life. And he knows it better than you. He keeps a record of everything you have done. So how will you stand? What is written about you in his book in the courtroom? Today is the second last Sunday of the church year. Next Sunday is the last Sunday. Advent is in two weeks. Crazy to think about that. 
But during this season of Advent, during this season of these last Sundays of the church here, we're reminded of the day of judgment that God is bringing. And we're also reminded that we should pray that regular prayer, Come Lord Jesus, come quickly. But when you hear the book of Daniel, maybe you're wanting God to put the brakes on those fiery wheels. Slow down. Let me get my life in order. Let me try to do some things that might please God and maybe erase some of those things under your name. The ancient church and the apostles and even Luther were fervent in their expectation in the end. Luther said in the midst of everything he was facing that surely Jesus is going to return because of the mess that the world is in we are probably a little more complacent today. Maybe, maybe we just don't care. Maybe we don't believe it. Although I do think it's interesting on some of these YouTube channels and even television channels, there are these shows put together by secular people, entertainment sort of people, and these shows are always documenting about how the world might end. We know there's a meteor out there. It might hit us. We know that we're sitting on borrowed time under some of these volcanoes. Whatever else it might be. There is this idea that just like that steak in your refrigerator that slowly is decomposing, this world is slowly decomposing and will end as well. Nothing to see, nothing to think about, maybe you don't care, maybe you don't believe it. Or perhaps, as you tell God to put the brakes on those fiery wheels, you're hoping that maybe your bucket list will be completed. I just want to see my grandkids grow up, maybe get married, have some kids. I want to see my team win a championship in whatever sport that you're obsessed with. Yet, I don't think I have to tell you and remind you that the chaos of this world continues. Evil and darkness are all around us. Just turn on the news. Look at the highlights of the day. Look at the highlights of yesterday. Look at what people are anticipating tomorrow. Darkness all around us why? The campus pastor who brought me back into the church was a military chaplain, and he often talked to us college students about the fact that the church flourished under persecution and struggle. And I'll never forget one day in Bible class, he looked at us and said, you all deserve and need a little persecution and trouble. I'm just trying to get through my biology class. Why did he say that? Because of everything that we are absorbed with and that we are consumed with. And I would dare say that maybe we're closer to that kind of thing than we were before. Why though? 
God always has a plan in the midst of suffering and chaos and allowing these things to happen. And those things are always meant to draw us back to Him. You remember 911? Remember the Sunday after 911? My parish that I was serving in uh, Fort Wayne as a field worker was packed, wall to wall, people standing up. In the midst of terror and uncertainty, people were being drawn back to God. These days, this chaos, this darkness, are driving, driving us back to repent and to pray even more fervently, not just for the victims of Israel and Palestine, not for just the wars to end and the inflation to come down. They call us to repent and pray, Come Lord Jesus, come quickly. This world is a mess. You know what's going to happen. As Christians, you know this. So how do you prepare what you got ready to do for Jesus? Jesus' very first words in the gospel are very simple. He doesn't say, hey folks, my name's Jesus. I got my name tag on. I'm the Son of, the God, Son of God, Redeemer of the world, who will be crucified and rise three days later. You know what Jesus' first words are? They're not happy. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Oh, great, we want to follow this guy. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. When Jesus comes, he gets down to the brass tacks of what it is that you have done and I have done in thought, word, and deed in our sins. And Jesus is coming along and saying, Repent, because you're not God. Your will will not be done. Stop clinging to the diary of your skeletons in your closet. Crucify your passions, your lusts, your sins. Place them on me because I have brought the kingdom of heaven in your midst. He is the one that Daniel talked about that enters into the courtroom of the ancient of days. Jesus' message for you and for me today is to repent by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let those sins out into the open, not before everybody else, but before Christ, who says to you, I am the light of the world, the light that the darkness cannot overcome. When you and I, driven by the power of the Holy Spirit, bring out those skeletons and that darkness and all of that shame and that guilt, and you bring it out into the light of Christ, Jesus does not look at you and say, what are you, stupid? What's the matter with you? Pull your bootstraps up and get your life together. He says, I forgive you. And those sins are not going to go back into the darkness because they are mine. In the light, he wants your sins. You can't have them. Stop holding on to them. The guilt, the shame, the embarrassment, the anger, the brokenness that you have caused to each other and that people have caused to you. Open the book. Let it out. Be done with the darkness and the chaos and the fear. Because in your baptism, those sins have been drowned by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. As far as the east is from the west, they are no longer remembered by God. 
We hear from the Old Testament that our sins are cast into the deepest depths of the sea. No longer to be remembered. Even if your spouse, your co-worker, your classmate, or your friend or children remind you of your sins that you are sorrowful over, Jesus says they are mine. His blood proclaims forgiveness for them. His blood says that you are now set free, holy, innocent, in the sight of the Ancient of Days. If you look at the Old Testament reading today, there's a little example of why I don't like English. When you look at the middle paragraph, it says, I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. The great accuser, the devil, is in the throne room of God accusing you of your sins before the Ancient of Days. Mark out that word, great words. He is speaking the arrogant and oppressive words about you to God. But then you see the beast is killed, its body destroyed, and for the rest, the dominion was taken away, and then Daniel sees one like the Son of Man. One like the Son of Man. That would be Jesus. Jesus is all over the Old Testament. One like the Son of Man who comes before the courtroom of God and says, Forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgive them because their names are carved on the palms of my hand in my cross. Forgive them and place their name in the book of life. You go back. This is Use Your Bulletin and Hymnal Sunday from the pulpit. I love this hymn of the day. Verse 5. My Savior paid the debt I owe and for my sin was smitten. Within the book of life I know my name has now been written. I will not doubt, for I am free, and Satan cannot threaten me. There is no condemnation. Verse 6, may Christ our intercessor be, and through his blood and merit, read from his book that we are free, with all who life inherit, then we shall see him face to face, with all the saints in that blessed place, which he has purchased for us. On the last day, in the throne room of God, you will be surprised because you are a beloved child of God. Jesus was delivered up for the sins of the whole world, and because of that, in your baptism, you now belong to the Ancient of Days. And throughout this life, you know by faith, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that God will bring deliverance and relief because He's promised it, by his own word, and God does not lie. Even though we sit in doubt and worry, 
by the power of God's word, by the power of the Spirit, we are given the ability to subdue our old sinful nature. That's why you're here today. This is not Sunday where we try to pump you up and make you feel better with health, wealth, and success. This is about us coming in broken and being healed. And until the end, come Lord Jesus, come quickly, take me out of a job. By faith, keep coming here. In a world of chaos, this is where God brings order. Stand firm by kneeling in confession and at this communion rail. Be filled with the word of life in Christ Jesus as you go out and bring that light to the world as well. It's hard, Pastor. It's tough. It's so extremely difficult. It's depressing. It's fearful. But listen to what Scripture says about you. At this place, right here, right now, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem and to the myriad of angels and archangels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled, written down, in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. That's you. This is Mount Zion. Yes, even here in Little Rock, right here. This is where Jesus, the great Son of Man, reveals himself to you. Here heaven meets earth, but not to destroy you with flaming wheels, but to feed you and comfort you and sustain you all the days of your life, no matter how bad it is and no matter what you have done or continue to struggle with doing. You are a child of God, an heir of everlasting life. You might look at your book, I might look at my book and say, there's nothing good to be written down, my deeds, all of these things are tainted by sin. But when the Lord looks at your life, he sees you holy, innocent, righteous, blameless in His sight. He sees your works as spotless, beautiful, sparkling, impressive, washed by the blood. Sounds like Jesus today is talking about that we are saved by what we are doing. That's not the case. Before that list of feeding, visiting, everything else, you have to look at the judgment that is pronounced. First, come you who are blessed by my Father. Depart from you unclean, and that's where we stand. Revelation says to us, blessed are those who die in the Lord, for their good works shall follow them. Just because we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ does not mean that God does not give you good to do. He does and will continue to do good in and through you because in Christ you can do all things that seem to be impossible. Because he has looked at you today 
and has said, He over who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and his angels, the Ancient of Days. On the last day, the court will be seated. The books will be open. But take heart. Your judgment has been proclaimed today. In Christ, he says of you to the ancient of days, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom of God prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Well done, good and faithful servant. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.